House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Welcome back into the House of Mystery. I'm Al Warren. Mr. Dave Backbone Martino is here. <laughs> Keeping the show together. Yeah. Keeping it alive. I don't know what we do without the <laughs> yeah. backbone of Dave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, holy I'm shit. sure. Structure I'm would sure. fall apart. Um, so now, who we've got sitting in with us is, is uh, an author and a doctor. So uh, we've got Dr. Feelgood. Um, no, the, the book is called <laughs> Shapes of Wrath. Hell hath no fury like a surgeon scorned. And this is Hope's Seven Deadly Sins, Book One. So it's a really short title. It's easy to find. Uh, and the author, the doctor, is Melissa Yee. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. So what's going on with this? Like, how did you turn into such a vicious person? Like, you're writing about demons, demon surgeon and all this. Like, what, what, what's going on? Did something happen to you as, as, a, as a doctor over the last few years? Well, there was this one demon. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, well, everybody's short-tempered with the pandemic, especially patients. So that part um, has changed. But, no, you know, I was listening to a podcast, and oh. they were talking about the seven deadly sins. Because I was looking at forensic psychiatry and forensic psychology, and I was like, what can I write about? And I was like, wow, I really love the idea of the seven deadly sins. And I'm going to start with wrath. When I think about anger in medicine, I immediately thought of surgery because, unfortunately, there's a lot of anger in surgery and a lot of trauma. It's uh, probably the most brutal training program we have. Oh, I was going to say, what, what, what causes such anger in, in surgery? Yeah, how to say outright abuse. Like, one of the things I address in the novel is a story that I heard when I was in medical school, which is one of my classmates telling me, you know, I was, I was in the operating room and the surgeon's always really nice to me. You know, he's a first year medical student in his first month, you know, but he was so mean to the resident. So the resident is a doctor, like he's, he's got it, he or she has an MD, so they're, they're a doctor of medicine, but they have to do postgraduate training. You can't just practice medicine right out of the gate. So you need to do another two to five years, sometimes seven years of additional training. So we're all really old. Anyway, um, he was on general surgery, my classmate, and the surgeon was operating, asked for a drape. You know, you're, when you're operating, you're sterile. You can't touch much of anything. So the nurse bought a drape. The, patient, the surgeon took the sterile drape and threw it over the resident's face. And they punched the resident in the face and kept operating. Wow. So why did you do that? Oh, I didn't do it. <laughs> um, and it might have gotten toned down a bit since then. Like other people had said, oh, yes, I know the sterile slap. So instead of punching them in the nose, you might get a slap across the face. But still, like what other kind of work would you do where people would hit you um, at work in front of everybody and then keep on going? That is just considered part of the deal. Oh, radio. <laughs> <laughs> but That's why well, they have us separated. Yeah, yeah. You can't. I can't take the abuse. <laughs> Beaten by wise move. Yeah, get beat up all the time. Uh, well, that's that's kind of interesting. So, did you did you when you put this book together? Now you're doing a series, so you must have a, a tremendous idea or a huge amount of things. Um, going on in your brain to want to do a whole series like this. So there must be a lot of history going on. Um, so did you, did you have any problems putting together characters? Well, I have a whole other series with Hope, um, the medical crime series. So she, I have nine books in that series that I could draw from. So I'm lucky in that I already have a world built, and if I want to add new people in, I can. But in this case, the challenge, one of the challenges I found was how do I want to incorporate the sins and what would she be studying at the time? Because in residency, you're often moving month to month to a different subject. So she wouldn't be on surgery again next month. She'd be doing something else. And how would that embody that sin? 
And I knew that for this, I know that for the seventh sin, it's going to be pride. And she will be doing forensic psychiatry. Um, I have, this is a spoiler, I have never done serial killers for hope. I just found it too heavy a topic. But I thought, for the seventh book, I will do serial killers. So that will be the most intense one. They're all locked up, though, because they're in forensic psychiatry. So you should be relatively safe. <laughs> well, you've got to have one get out or something. One is, <laughs> it's like in a, another surgeon that you, you didn't know about, you know. I don't know. It's well, I, yeah, I, if, I, if I take that idea, I'll let you know, Al. <laughs> yeah, yeah, feel free. You know? <laughs> so you, you kind of put this, uh, like you mentioned, uh, Montreal, St. Joseph Hospital and stuff like this. How do you pick the setting? when you're doing something like this, to, to decide which hospital and where you're going to do this? Again, that's relatively easy just because in residency you have no choices. So when you, like, when you graduate from medical school, you're assigned, like you, you do a match, a national match, and you can apply to any program in the country, so any specialty you want at any city you want, but you sign a contract that when you're matched to it, you will go. So at the end of the year, you rank the programs and the cities you want and their ranking if they want you or, you know, another doctor, and you just end up anywhere. And it's supposed to be a legally binding contract that you can't say no afterwards. It's very high stress. And if you don't get matched to that, then you often apply to the United States, and it's a huge scramble afterwards just to try and grab any spots that you can. Um, anywhere in any specialty because obviously you don't want to end up with this doctor of medicine degree that might have cost you $200,000 and you, and like all your hair falling out and then you don't, you can't even do anything with it, um, which has gotten to be a huge problem. So all that to say, when you are locked into your residency position, you also have a base hospital and you're there most of the time. But for my books, I get to play around with it a little bit. So for example, I'm going to do gluttony next. <laughs> <laughs> and she's probably going to be on family medicine. But I decided to be really fun to have a dragon boat festival and an eating competition at the same time. So called the Dragon Eats Festival. So they're on the water right now. They're still in Montreal, but um, they're by the river. Sounds well, good to me. I would go to that. Exactly. <laughs> you could eat and you can watch dragon boats. <laughs> see there you go now you see you got you got a fan all yeah i pre-sold dave perfect <laughs> yeah yeah he's waiting he's waiting for it to come up now um so do you have problems um writing in this sort of area like kind of a little bit darker um in a sense of you know demons and haunted hospital and stuff like that does that sort of um, or does that come easy for you so i Started in fantasy and science fiction before I started writing medical thrillers. So in that way, it's a bit more natural to me. And I've never been someone who's just like black, white, you know, the other things don't exist. I'm always like, huh, interesting. What if this happened instead? You know, so I've always had a lot of cognitive flexibility, I guess you might call it. But I don't tend to mix these two. So the last book of the series, White Lightning, was the first one where I introduced ghosts. And I was a little bit worried because I was just like, are they going to come with me or not? Is this too weird? You know, because medical thrillers don't tend to have paranormal elements. It's just too many things going on, you know. Um, but people did seem to be able to handle it. And I was like, okay, that is good because this series is different in that it does have the paranormal element. So if you didn't want that, you could read the previous series. But if you're like, yes. I'm totally on board with ghosts and whatever else might come to light, then you can go into this series. So it's more a mind game, which is a lot of what writing is about. Where do you get your ghosts and demons and, you know, hauntings and stuff like that? Where do you draw that from? Do you draw it from religion, mythology? Does it come directly from your imagination? How do you work with that? Oh, that's a great question. In this case, I think it was just Tori Yamamoto, who's one like one of Hope's best friends. She just said, I saw a ghost. I guess she must have said it in my head, because that's what I wrote on the page. But I was like, really? Like, that's strange. And Tori um, doesn't 
she's not expressive. Like, Hope Hope will just tell you anything that she's thinking. You know, she'd be a terrible poker player. But Tori, you know, just, she's always got her game face on. And she doesn't, you know, she keeps her cards close to her chest. So in this case, they'd been friends for months. And in this case, I've been writing these books for years. And it was the first time she said anything like that. And in this case, I have started to research Japanese spirits and ghosts a little bit to see if I want to incorporate that element, as well as I bought the book Haunted Hospitals. <laughs> so because I want to <laughs> look into ghosts and hospitals and how that might have been historically, and that's mostly based in North America, uh, written by Mark Leslie and another co-author. Um, I'm kind of researching everywhere. Yeah, um, I'm omnivorous with my research. Yeah, we, we, we had him on the show. Oh, great. A long, long time ago, of course, when I think, I can't remember now, but it's been a while. Um, so, yeah, we've had him on the show. Um, yeah, interesting. So um, what, did you have your own personal experiences that you're kind of relating to in this book as well with bringing in ghosts? I kept this. Okay, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Like, I always just feel like you, so you get this sixth sense, right? Um, whether something's not right or whatever. Like, I can't say that I communicate with spirits, but I just try and keep an open mind about it. And if it tells me something about it, then I'm interested. Just so, so for example, um, I like Chinese astrology. I cannot relate to North American astrology because I'm a Virgo, and all of the <laughs> the readings are just like, you're so organized, you're so neat, just relax. And I'm like, well, that's not me, actually, and you should see my house. So clearly you're talking to somebody else. Um, you know, and the whole virgin thing, I never really liked that either. Um, but with Chinese astrology, I found it very interesting um, and, to me, more accurate. So, uh, for example, there's somebody close to me who's born in the year of the dog. And when I looked into it, they said that dogs are very anxious because they're the only animal who are awake at night, usually in a home. And so they're barking because they're sounding the alarm no one else can hear, and they need you to wake up and pay attention. And I was like, oh, I love this person, and he is a bit anxious. But I never thought of it that way, um, of him sounding the alarm for us. Um, thank you for you know, making me see it in that way. So things like that. And for, for me, for, that, for Chinese astrology, I am a hard worker. <laughs> that's, what, that's my side. I'm like, that's pretty true, you know. And I've struggled with that too, <laughs> like that other people, like other doctors, other writers, it just seems to be effortless. You know, they're just gliding through life. Wow, everything just falls magically into place when they go by, you know. And actually, Hope has said this about Tori, that like, oh, she's the kind of woman who can – be wearing white and she eats spaghetti and she doesn't get one drop on her. And I'm like, oh, meanwhile, I'm the kind of person who literally, like when I, you know, just ran and ate something and I ran back out to keep looking after patients, the nurse turned to me and she's like, you have cheese on your face. And I'm like, oh, thank you, you know, like, yeah. and she helped me. And she's like, okay, no, no, you didn't get it. Okay, okay, now you've got, you know, like, so I was really grateful that she walked me through it, but it's necessary for you to tell me that I have cheese on my face. You know, you know, um, like I, I don't have that natural grace that of I can course. just glide through. And, <laughs> you know, patients are magically healed. You know, so I, yeah. I have to put the work in, and that's part of my astrological sign. So, um, so I'm okay with it that way. That that's how I like to look at it. Like it's, it could be opening doors for you at least by keeping an open mind. But I wouldn't like spend a ton of money and, you know, bet all my savings on it or anything like that. I would just be like, thank you for making me notice something. I'm a metal pig. Okay. I actually don't yeah. know so much. My, I, I, I have somebody else in my family who's a pig, and his when wife always teases him a boy, for being a pig. <laughs> He's like, piggy, piggy. Exactly. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'd be offended if my wife called me piggy, but okay. <laughs> there we go. I'm working with a backbone pig. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that could be pretty. Yeah, that would be a pretty tough animal, actually. You know. <laughs> and Al, if you were interested, I could look up your sign. 
if he wanted to. I, I've got to be. Oh, a we want to know. We want to know. <laughs> I'd have he to doesn't be. want to know. I'm a monkey. I've got to be. Oh, well, do you know your year of birth? 62. 1962, not 18. Good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and it's very appropriate because we're talking about the, the Chinese New Year, um, the Lunar New Year. You are a water tiger. Oh, there you Ooh. go. Is that, I guess that's good. That's a, that's a tiger <laughs> that can swim. Is that, you know? The year of the tiger was last year, and that was a tough year, so. Yeah, I don't, I don't think know. It was a, that's it's nothing true. to write home about. You're like well, a whirlwind. Um, often, when it's your year, that's a tough year, actually. That's pretty common. And um, it's because you get an element with your animal, because it goes every 12 years. Because originally it's from having a race where all the animals were racing to see who was the fastest. And there were 12 animals. So somebody was fast, not me. Um, <laughs> Calm, yeah. careful, and full of ambition. Yeah, sort of. Strong learning ability. You like mm -hmm. new things. Mm -hmm. Full of passion for achieving their goals. Helpful to their friends. Yeah, I think that's me. There's got to be some bad stuff in there. <laughs> that's what we want to know. <laughs> um, I think it's ego, no. ego for tigers. <laughs> no, no, I can't even look at myself in the mirror. I can't, no ego here, I'll tell you. You know, I have to hide myself. Oh, I, I'm sorry. It says the love fortune is not very good. No, it never has been. He said, male water tigers often feel annoyed by their wife's changing emotions. Uh, well. Be patient and care more. No, you ignore them. Ah, ah see? See? Because they say if you're patient and care more, your relationship will keep sweet. Oh, please. Oh. So, it's like, well, you know, but that's good general advice, yeah. right? To yeah. be more attentive. Yeah, of course. And they also say you go, you go out too much. They want you to stay home a bit more. No, I don't go out ever. Oh, please. No. Okay. Then, so the, obviously, these things are never 100%, but then it's just enjoyable to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what crazy. does it say about 1971? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hang on a second. <laughs> I got to know. Inquiring minds want to know. That was a bad year, right? So. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no going back after that no. year. No. <laughs> Generous, trustworthy, and warm hearted. Yeah. Kind and pleasant. <laughs> Looking to live a full life, but you won't step on others to get ahead. Yeah, I'm a sap. <laughs> yeah. Um, they say you like luxury. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you like the finer things yeah, in life. Wendy's. Um, <laughs> yes. Wendy's instead of McDonald's. People can take advantage of you. Yes. You know, just looking specifically for Metal Pig, I'd say this one's pretty good. Yeah. So in addition to your nice personality, they said your career is relatively good. Luck is relatively good. Yeah. And a smooth and steady love life. Yeah, well, been married for 27 years, so. Wow, yeah. so see, that's be oh, whoops, but then health. Yeah, uh, that's they terrible. Said, oh, sorry, they said gastrointestinal problems and cardiovascular diseases. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I guess, I guess if you're eating a lot anyway. So they yeah. say do more physical exercise to prevent disease from disturbing your life. Yeah, get to work. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> But see that again, good general advice. Like, why wouldn't you want people to exercise more? Exercise goods for is good for everything. Yeah, yeah it is. Okay, so uh, you're going to start running every day, five miles yes. in the morning. <laughs> okay. Do an interview and then ride your bike for, you know, a couple of hours and <laughs> get on the peloton. Let's get to work. You're right. No more, no more fast food. This is this is a prescription for for health. That's right. Broccoli. It's kind of it's kind of interesting though, because if you think about story wise, like if you had to choose, like okay, good life, life, good career, good wealth, but then your health isn't so good. Yeah. Is that a good? You know, would you have picked that for no, yourself? No. Right. Exactly. Well, yeah. Yeah. You know, so, it's hard to say because when you're young, you tend to you go for the um, let's say the lighter things, the 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 more you know, money, wealth, fame. Yeah, but yeah. you see, because um, you're not thinking about health when you're young, you think you'll always have it. So yeah. it depends on when you get to, you know, if you look back at it. So if he was young and he, he would choose maybe some of the more things that were more luxurious, you know, and less health-wise because you, you don't think about that. Yeah, that's true. So Yeah, you're right. The state, your stage in life will change. The, your, your wisdom will change. There you go, Dave. Yeah. Make a mistake. <laughs> 
chose the wrong thing. You were you chose the wrong year to be born. Yeah. I did. Yeah, you have to call up your mother and call her a name or something. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna talk to her a couple of days. So, well, it does make me think. You know, in the olden days, they were worried about tiger girls. Hmm. So you know, being ambitious and headstrong and stuff was considered culturally okay for the men, but for women, that was considered a deficit, right? Who wants a wife right. who will yeah. not listen to you and want her own way? So apparently back in the day, they would not, they would try not to conceive and give birth to any baby in the year of the tiger for fear that it would be a tiger girl. Right, uh, right. Yeah, but you know, um, yeah, because they, they still have issues with that today. You know. Right. Well, I, uh, let me tell you, North America also has a problem with strong women. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, anybody that's yeah. really strong as a female it can be considered, like as they say, a bitch or somebody nasty. Exactly. But they don't realize yeah. that a bitch gets the job done. Yeah. How much of the <laughs> right. world is held together? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, but it's kind of it's weird how that still goes on after so many generations that's still in the mindset of people that – a woman that's that's strong or very, let's say, assertive or kind of knows what she wants and is doing it would be considered something negative when a man can do the same thing and he's considered something to be uh, idolized. 100%. We go through this a lot in medicine, actually, because, well, they've done studies that people, they, they have shown that your chances of survival, so in medicine, the best, best outcome is reducing death, right? You want people who save lives. The best outcomes are with female doctors. Hmm. For like basically everything. You know, like your mortality it goes down, your operating the chances of the operation goes better, your um like management with a heart attack is better, etc. But when they do patient satisfaction scores, patients are unhappier with their female doctor. They don't like them. And um, th we get paid less. We just, we make like, now I forget, but it was, you know, everybody get paid 30% less, um, like for, for women, no matter what the thing. And some people are like, how is that possible? Because in Canada, it's a lot fee for service, so you get paid based on your, what you're doing. Right. And in our case, it's because, like I can tell you, people want to talk and talk and talk to me in the emergency department. For example, and they ask me for a urinal, they ask me for a warm blanket, um, you know, they want me, they, they question why I chose that antibiotic, and then I, they want me to explain it to them five times, and they explain it again to my brother. Like, it's just a complete waste of time. And whenever you say no, I have to go, which is what I say. Or, well, I, I explain it once, and then I, I might explain it twice, and then I'm less like, I have other people to see. Yeah. And then they're very angry about it. Because you didn't spend all the time with them, but you cannot spend all the time with them. It's not possible. So you end up with these uh, dissatisfaction scores, even though you have saved their life, you know, or limb or whatever, you, you know, <laughs> decrease their cholesterol so that they'll live another 10 years, whatever it is. So um, there's a, like, whenever I look around, I'm like, the answer is sexism. The answer is racism. Like, there are always so many disadvantages. Um, yeah, I have said it's like uh, you know you're flying an airplane and you have thirty percent more drag all the time. And then for somebody like me, who's I'm Asian, so, since we're on the radio, I'm just tell people that um, <laughs> like when you're you know if you're not white, that also is a, a drag. And I remember that statistic; it was you were eighty eight percent, so eighty eight cents on the dollar compared to a, a white physician. So I'm like, well, you just put them together. And I'm making 56 bucks out of 100. Don't tell them you're a lesbian. Um, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you'll, you'll be paying them for your show. <laughs> yeah, so that's what's called intersectionality, in case, in case your listeners don't know. But, yeah, it just piles, like the discrimination just piles on. So it's not fun. And one of the things I do like with my writing is that I get to fight that. Hmm. and write a different world. Yeah, I was going to say that. I was going to say it sounds very important, and you talk about it. I wonder if how much of that gets into the into the series in the book. Like, do you have your doctor, you know, female doctor, if she gets asked something, she turns around and tells them, look, go to hell. Do you take the anger um, out, like, in a sense? Because a lot of writers will take their 
they fantasize when they're, they're, they're kind of escapism when you're writing a book as well. And sometimes it can be the person you're not, you know? Of course, yeah. I just have to balance it between escapism and realism because I'm not going to tell them to go to hell. You oh. know, they'll complain to the college and it's, it's just this huge headache. Like, you, like basically, you're supposed to bend over and take it when you're a doctor. You could do that um, in the book. <laughs> it's not real, you know. I mean, it's not, you know. Yes, I can, but I, I mean, but in this case, for example, I already have ghosts. So I'm not going to, you know, be um breaking norms on all levels so i try to keep it normal with the medical stuff and then bring in the ghost because otherwise it's just too many things and you'll fry people's brains yeah i guess yeah i guess you can go too far right and then people get scattered and they lose theme of the of the story itself so yeah wow but in one case there was somebody who was really bothering me in real life and i had modeled a character after them so i shot them in the next book (laughs) <laughs> well, and hopefully you shot them and they suffered for quite a while before they died. Um, you know, let's... I, I probably I probably don't want to say too much about the character because <laughs> that person might have figured out that it was them. But oh. um, you know, it I, it was fatal. Yeah, let's say I, like the suffering didn't have to be prolonged as long as that person was dead. Um, <laughs> and I told somebody else who'd also have problems with that doctor, and I was like, dead, and he was like. Of course. of course, that's how it should be. <laughs> so, and his name the Hippocratic. Was, yeah, what, what's, what's his name? We'll give him a call. <laughs> the Hippocratic oath doesn't uh, pertain to writing. <laughs> no, thank goodness we we actually get one escape. Yeah, yeah. Do you hope uh, for some sort of meaning that people get out of the book, or is it pure entertainment? Yeah, both. So what, my first thing is to entertain, because if people just get irritated and close the book, then that doesn't achieve anything and i myself don't like really lecturing books or plays like my husband's a musician and he said oh sad bastard music <laughs> and i was like yeah so unfortunately a lot, i'm in theater now and a lot of plays are sad bastard plays um so i don't enjoy those and 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 i do feel kind of frozen in the audience when you can't leave and you're just sort of trapped. And so I don't want that feeling with my novels, obviously. I want them to really enjoy it, but at the end, they'll think. And people have told me, like, oh, I now I know what it's like to be Chinese-Canadian. And I don't emphasize that in the books. So they've just picked up just the little things, like how, you know, someone will descend on you and be like, oh, I went to China in 1982. I'm like, okay, and how's your chest pain? You know, like... Um, yeah, and they realize how, like, just what it, a little more of what it's like to live my life. So you can, I hope you can do both. It's kind of important that way. Sometimes it's, it's good to get a meeting, or if someone reads it a couple of times, they might pick up more of the subtleties like that, right? You know, mm-hmm. hopefully, when you when you're talking about um, each subject, like each one of these, um, and you're doing wrath, how do you decide what kind of thing you're going to have? your doctor face in a book like that. Yeah, you're right, because just the sin alone does not tell you what's going to happen. Right. Right? right. Like, what's an angry murder? <laughs> <You know? laughs> or is that angry enough? Um, in my case, because I'm what's called a pantser, you know, I just write all over the place by the seat of my pants. Um, well, you're it usually doing surgery. Being... You're, writing, <laughs> you're writing on the person's just, chest. Just carving. You have a, you have a piece of paper there, name. and you're just kind of writing as, as you go. I can see that. Oh, by the way, there was somebody who lost his license because they found that he was, I think in that case, sewing his name <laughs> into the skin afterwards. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot of weird egos going on. But um, in my case, I end up writing a, a ton and then deciding where is it going to go which is not an efficient way of doing it, but I really like to surprise myself. And the only way to do it seems to be to just start writing and going crazy and being like, what's going on? I mean, as I told you with the Dragon Boat Festival, I'm just like, why Dragon Boat and eating? Like, you know, on the face of it, it doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But that's just the sort of thing that I came up with after 40 or 50,000 words, you know? Yeah. Um, and But then I'll come across something random. Like, so, for example, for gluttony, I didn't realize, but it just came up on the internet, that there are different kinds of gluttony. So there was the kind where you eat too fine a food. You know, so you can imagine all the gourmets um, eating the beluga caviar and 
decimating our ocean, so that would be one. And then there was another one that was called something like studia. You spend too much time on the food. And I was like, oh, that's a bad one because I'm a very slow cooker and baker. Like I just relax and I, I'm not efficient at all when I do it because yeah. I'm, I'm taking my time. And then the last one was amount, which is what we usually think of, but you eat too much, which is certainly also my sin. Wow. Um, and so then I, I like to think, I, then I just enjoy thinking about it. You know, like, okay, you know, so which aspect would I like to tackle? You know, classically it would be amount, but it doesn't have to be because there, you know, there have also been stories about people who, um, you know, they're eating the, the most extinct species and then someone goes around and starts killing them, you know, that sort of thing. So, you know, where do I want to go with it? So for wrath, I don't want to have too many spoilers, but that one was pretty easy. It wrote itself because the surgeons are so, na- uh, uh, some of the surgeons are so nasty. I should say, because some of the feedback from surgeons was, you know, this is a really negative stereotype that we have to live with every day. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Uh, I do need to have a bad gun. <laughs> um, but uh, I recognize that there are a lot of excellent, excellent and compassionate surgeons out there. Yeah. Well, I think the vast majority of most professions are good, like, you know, police or, you know, any of these surgeons and all that. But but the ones that get the attention are the ones that do the extreme or the ones that are very out there, right? So, And that makes people think that's how they are. Yeah, of course. You know, if it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's what we get hooked on. But the Dalai Lama pointed out that, uh, you know, people do good things every day and we don't put that in the newspaper or on TV or anything like that. So if we did that, um, it would make such a difference. Yeah, yeah. Have you met the Dalai Lama? No. Oh, you know, the closest I came was he was staying at the same hotel in Toronto, what I was staying at. And uh, people, like, there was a lot of security and um, I saw people walking around with scarves. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I would have loved to meet him, but you know, I think I was attending a medical conference or something. Like, I just didn't, I just didn't have the chance. Um, but he seems like, for me, a, a holy person. Well, you should have just went out and knocked on the door. <laughs> Said, hey, how's it going? Let's let's hang out. <laughs> That's right. I think he'd want to meet me, so I just thought I'd come and say hi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, of course. He probably knows who you are. He's probably reading all your. You're like, oh, Melissa. I love you. I was home. I came to Toronto hoping to see you. Yeah, that's what I'm here for. (laughs) There's no other reason. That's right. Wow. How do you know when a book's done? How do you how for you as a writer, when when how do you know when it's finished? That is tough. And in this one in particular, actually, I thought it was done and and uh, it wasn't done. So um, obviously for any sort of murder mystery, it you know it, it, the crime has to be done and it has to be solved. So there has to be a sense of justice. So that's helpful. But in this case, to be honest, I had sort of an ambiguous ending where there was some punishment, but it wasn't like an eye for an eye, like the person hadn't died. Kathleen Costa, who writes reviews for Kings River Life, she wrote to me and she said, uh-uh. Yeah, like the, this, this cannot end this way. I was like, oh boy. <laughs> like, you know, I, I had wondered about that because, you know, just like with romance, you'd have a happily ever after. It's, it's tricky in a mystery to have, you know, not have the person die or get, you know, behind bars or whatever it is. Um, so I did have to fiddle with the ending a bit, but I really enjoy that. And I, and the ending is much better now. So I think, you know, after reading a ton and writing a ton, you do have a sense of when something ends. But I also find it such a great process of discovery when somebody can also give you feedback and you're like, you're right, let me rework this one more time. You just take that Kathleen Costa and say, look, who are you talking to? <laughs> do you not know who I'm Kathleen? talking to? The, 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 the Dalai Lama came to Toronto just to see me. What are you talking about? Are you telling me? That's what you should have said. I mean, what is it? Okay. You know, yeah. get, I mean, I have to, do I have to take over managing you? Like, this is just crazy. Don't, don't. You know what? I, I guess the water tiger knows how to manage stuff, <laughs> right? That's right. You gotta, gotta, gotta step out there and say it, you know. No. But, but on that same kind of, uh, level, uh, after so many books, uh, is it getting easier to write? I have to fall into the, the camp of every book is tough. 
And in my case, like, sometimes I'll just go back and I'll be like, let me read, a, read how do you write a mystery? Like, I just feel like I need to start back at the beginning. So in some ways, it's easier. Um, like I said, I do know this character. You know, she's based on me, so that always made it easy. But, I, you know, I know the world. Um, I know the secondary characters, like, so I can discover new things and move them around. Um, but on the other hand, it's tough because everything's changing. I mean, writing has changed. Like, a lot of people have remarked on the fact that you used to be able to do long description of setting and your house and, you know, the hills outside and whatever. And, like, that does not – you cannot do that anymore without losing most of your audience. Um, you know, people's attention spans are shorter and so on. So it is harder. I hope I'm getting better with every book. Like, certainly with this one, the feedback I've gotten is that a lot of people say they can't put it down. So they end up reading it in one shot. And one of them said, and I've never done that before. And I was like, ooh, because she had read all my other books. <laughs> so obviously they hadn't kept her until three or four. What's what she trying to say? So what are you trying to say? So hopefully the thriller element has gotten better. Um, so I guess I would, like as a summary, I would say they are harder to write, but maybe it's also because I'm challenging myself every time. Well, with all these books that you've written, have you noticed any um, reoccurring themes or motifs in, in your novels? I have. I don't know if I should say them all because, like, I don't want to. Because sometimes I catch myself. And I'm like, wait, you use that as a clue before. But, um, you know, my family always comes back up. And I have to say, when I ha- had them in real life, like, I could get quite annoyed with my family, you know. But um, on the page, I'm like, well, that's just funny. And it's kind of weird because so my mom <laughs> can be like, eat your bone soup in real life. And I'm just like, mom, I don't want bone soup, you know, and like, I, I've never liked it. And it's super frustrating. But then, uh, you know, on the page, I'm like, oh, oh, there's mom pushing her bone soup again. And then that's, and that's all right. So, you know, family comes up over and over. Um, you know, the hierarchy in medicine comes up, obviously. Um, but I do love the idea of justice. I think that's anybody who writes mysteries and thrillers that, comes through although i do sometimes toy with the idea of what is justice because for example when ann perry wrote a book where the person wasn't um like the the villain wasn't uh, brought to justice in the usual way she ended up that it was they died socially so no one would speak to them anymore they become completely cut out and in victorian england that was in some ways worse than dying. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. I wonder if I could do that. Is is that true? Could we have a parallel like that in our society, for example? Yeah, it's being canceled from Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, would that make you feel as though you died? Sure. Well, some people. Right. So I I just, I thought it was an interesting idea to play with. Listen, I've got my pen out here. So now tell me, how do we become a successful writer? What's the secret? I want, to, I want to write this down. So I, oh, so I, I wish I knew, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, like everybody says, so you have to have the good book. Like if you don't have the good book, then nothing else is worthwhile. And then um, my mentors would tell you, you got to have a good business sense. You know, you have to know how to market yourself. You have to understand copyright so you don't sign all your rights away. Um, you, you have to figure out the world. And, and unfortunately, marketing, you know, it's that interaction – art and commerce and that's so tough because i guess when people say successful writer they usually mean money right and i i do love the writing and the books and the art of it so how to become a successful writer you know read 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 write 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 you know always trying to get better and then for the money part of it that's the where the business hat comes in and you have to know it because if you just hire somebody, at least 50% of the time, you'll end up just losing your money and maybe more like 90%. Okay, I've got that written down. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so I have a downer answer. <laughs> well, I was looking to figure out how to become a rock star here. Like, what's going on? You know, I thought, geez, I could do this. No, I guess not. Well, I'll keep trying. Well, you know. Yeah, you, you've got you've got the skills and you've got the ego, so you you can, you can go for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll I'll try writing. Um, I'll write. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to write a series, and I'll be a doctor. 
<laughs> and uh, well, wow, th- those do super well. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you? How do, so, in a sense, you're you're writing with the Doctor series and stuff like that. I can't think of really any others like what you do. Uh, is there a lot of competition out there? Not a huge amount, I don't think. But on the other hand, medical thrillers are not the most popular genre. Right. Yeah. So if you want to make money, you probably shouldn't. <laughs> try for the medical thrillers. Um, romance is the most popular genre. N- no joke. Like 50% yeah. of all books sold are romance. And romance readers are voracious readers. So even though they don't like to pay very much per book, they'll read your entire back catalog and be very loyal. Right. So you probably notice um, that you that often there are families. So like if you look at Bridgerton, there are like eight brothers. So you just marry them all off. I'm one sister or something. So you just, you know, every book is you marrying one of them off. Yeah. It's, it's a very successful strategy. Well, why don't you have your doctor uh, have some romance with a ghost? Maybe they get married <laughs> to a ghost, right? <laughs> you know, there's that woman in England divorcing her ghost. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> See? See? <laughs> you know, I, I like that Al has, you know, these ideas of where to go. I'm just like, okay. Never occurred to me. Hope already has two boyfriends, so I didn't think of adding a ghost to the mix, so that's definitely a suggestion no one has ever made to me before. Well, I mean, you're <laughs> dating. Let's play the field here. You never know. <laughs> there weren't enough guys, so add in a ghost husband that you can divorce. Okay, got it. Well, think about this. The ghost might be have a lot more personality, you know? They can get more, more of the job done. I'm telling you. It's less problems. No Paul. So Al is Team Ghost. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Team Ghost. Wow. How long does it take you to do one of these? It takes me a year. What What do you find the 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 longest or the what's the hardest part for you? Um, editing. Because I can sit there and write and write and write. You know, my husband will tease me. I I would be typing and he would go. The, the, the. <laughs> this thing, you know, because you just count the number of words. So if you're just saying the, 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 you know, you can just, you can make a lot of words that way. Um, but then to actually turn it into a coherent story that makes sense. Like sometimes I try to explain to people. And then we could have this and we could do this. But then also don't forget, I was talking about the scene on a boat. And then, you know, and they're just like, you know, one of my writer friends just stared at me and he was like, I think you better pick a plot. I'm like, okay. You know? <laughs> so I end up throwing away hundreds of thousands of words. So it's kind of kind of embarrassing, you know, compared to the other people who are able to, you know, again, just hit it out of the gate and, and seeming not to have any problems. I'm like, hmm, but I could run backwards, and then there could be this magic snowball, you know, like all these things that, that other people are just like, what was that? Yeah. Well, what, what gets you yeah. inspired? Is it... Like, when do you feel the most creative? Is that, like, during um, surgery or medical procedure, or is it just after or before? Or like, what, what, what is it for you, driving a car? Uh, like, what? what? Um, so mornings are good for me, and walking is good. Like, well, we have two dogs, so walking our dogs, I, and sometimes mulling things over. Um, better if I'm by myself because, you know, if you're talking to somebody else, then you're distracted. And actually, when you say during a medical procedure, often my patients are awake in the emergency room, like it's a minor procedure, and I just put in local. So I'm talking to the patient. So I really am not creative at all. I'm trying to make them calm yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and keep them in good humor uh, for and, you know, not crying if I'm sewing up their hand or whatever. So... Yeah, that's not creative at all <laughs> for that. You don't ever go. Later, well. though. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy joking around with the nurses and stuff um, afterwards. But, yeah, it, uh, alone time is really great. Reading is wonderful. Like, You know, I'm not a huge TV and movie person. Right. Sometimes people be like, oh, for this series, for example, people are like, what's in the box? And they're talking about the movie Seven, which I had never seen. <laughs> oh, Right. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, I better go watch the movie because people are talking to me and I don't even know what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. How would you like it? I did like it. Um, <laughs> I, well, Morgan Freeman, how can you go wrong with that man? Right. And um, I had never really seen Brad Pitt. I was never I, super attracted to him or anything. So I was like, yeah, he was pretty good. Yeah. Um, or, or even very good, you know, better than I expected. Yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow was very charming. 
Well, Although I did, I did guess the ending, kind of. Um, what more could you ask movie? for? Granite's head in a box. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you said it. Okay, I didn't want to spoil the ending, but okay, you just you just went there. Okay, I was like, there's no reason to show the wife so much unless something happens to her. Yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah, she's got to be involved somewhere. Something's got to, yeah. you know. You, yeah, that's right. yeah. Like yeah. you just you don't keep going over the house and eating dinner with all the stuff, yeah. you know. If, unless, like, she plays a role in the plot. So at the end, I was like, oops, here it comes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, Sorry, Gwynny. Well, I, I wonder if they had one of her uh, vagina-smelling candles in the house burning while they were <laughs> Okay, I didn't hear about that either. You okay. don't know about that? She sells that on Goop. She's got a candle. Um, I did know about the, the jade egg. Um, yeah. But no, I didn't know. She's got More than candles. you wanted to know. She's got candles with the scent of of a vagina. Of her vagina or just a vagina? Um, you know, I never got that deep into it, but it's all over the place. I mean, you can find it pretty easily, so I'm not sure if it's um, taking after her own or if it's just in general. <laughs> I just... Okay, yeah. I mean, because, uh, I mean, just, I'll just say medically, everybody smells different, so. But uh, I'm just going to add, I, I just medically, again, for the jade egg, the reason why it came up in medicine was because, Jen Gunter is a gynecologist who often takes down Gwyneth Paltrow's, you know, nonsense. And in this case, you don't want to put a jade egg in your vagina because it's porous. You're just introducing bacteria. It's not a good idea. Yeah. Um, So who do you want to listen to? A celebrity uh, who has zero training or a gynecologist? Yeah. You listen to gynecologists. Exactly. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm totally over any of that stuff. People, you, you want something medical, you go to a doctor. I'm, you know. Not spreading any more yeah. lavender oil all over my legs to make a mess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I think you're in California. Well, I can be, but I'm not at the moment. <laughs> oh, okay, I just, I just, just when I was there, I, um, because I was a finalist for the Roswell Award for short science fiction twice, actually. And I met a very nice actor, and he, and I was like, and I'm, and I'm an emergency physician, and he just stared at me, and he was like, you mean? Like a new age physician. <laughs> that sounds like LA. And I, right, it was LA, and I was just like, <laughs> "No, I mean an MD." And I thought, "Why?" Okay, I'd never heard of a new age physician before, but like, why you would want one in your emergency room? Yeah, this was beyond me. Well, they got their training so in I, the forest. <laughs> Who's going to add that at least a, a, a vagina candle? That's not going to hurt anybody. So I'm okay with it. Well, I don't you know. know. Whatever. <laughs> I haven't smelled it yet. So it's not going to harm you. Okay. Whereas, like, you could, you don't want to get toxic shock from a jade egg. Right. right. Or mm. whatever the new age physician would do. Well, she's on to something because I, I, I heard that they sold out. So um, the candles. So she's on to something. Oh. Yeah. 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 She definitely is. I mean, well, I mean, <laughs> "Quote unquote success." If you want success on a money level, and you don't mind selling out, model yourself after Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> well, you know, you don't need any uh, training, I think, to be a new age physician. So I'm getting a business card there tomorrow. You <laughs> there you go. That's your new business <laughs> That's my model. New business. I'm a new age it's physician for you. I told you your Chinese horoscope, and I gave you a new business model. Yeah, right. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the strangest conversations I have had. Yeah. That's what we want. <laughs> Try. That's what we want to get people into. Well, now, speaking of angels, so how do, how do you interact? Do you like to be social with your readers and fans and all that? Do you have social media set up or websites? And do you kind of, oh, you know, do you? Oh, beautiful segue. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Yes, I do have a website, and the easiest way to get to it is www.myi.ninja, N-I-N-J-A, because my, my name is too long. Right. And I'm also on Facebook, Twitter as Dr. Sassy, but, you know, most people aren't using Twitter as much now. Yeah. Um, and TikTok at MYI Books and Instagram M-E-L-I-S-S-A dot Y-U-A-N-I-N-N-E-S. That's interesting. Um, could I tell you one other que- yeah. thing about interacting with fans? So I'm excited about this. So for The Shapes of Wrath, um, one of my friends, like 
both of the couple actually have offered to cater the book launch. So we're actually going to have a little party on February 6th where they're going to make homemade pasta and some ingredients that are hinting at food for gluttony in the second book. So people will be able to attend through Facebook Live, and they could potentially guess at least some of the meals for the next book. So I am going to invite, it will probably be about 10 people in person, and the rest will be online. This will be a first time, never done anything like this before, to have kind of a relatively catered meal for my fans. But uh, it's worth doing, especially as a prelude to gluttony. Wow, sounds interesting. Well, so, uh, of course, we'll have your website up, too, so people can uh, find you that way. And, uh, wow, so it's going to be kind of like uh, Hannibal Lecter, isn't it? <laughs> okay, do you think that's one of my secret ingredients? <laughs> I hate liver, so it's not going to be one. I'll just tell people right now. Forget it. In- my mom literally said to me the other day, she was like, liver and onions? And I was just like, oh, my God, I've hated liver my entire life, and my mother's still offering it to me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Isn't that, you know, you didn't get enough, you see. You, you <sighs> have to have more liver and onions to be healthy. <laughs> Okay. okay, I just want to, we should just see something else delicious to try and get rid of that horrible image. Well, just light a candle. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. Well, um, we are out of time, of course, and, of course, the book we're talking about is The Shapes of Wrath, and it's Melissa Yee. Thank you for being here. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for having me on this crazy ride. Thanks, Melissa. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This is the production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.